Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 20. Alvin, the story of Ross Bagdasarian Senior Liberty Records Format Films and The Alvin Show is progressing along. The one bright spot to all these delays is that I was able to add some last-minute information that came to light in December that answers many questions about who performed and sang on Chipmunks records besides the Chipmunks. Anyway, today's guest is a huge fan of Charles M. Schultz's Peanuts comic strip, and he has compiled many books featuring Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and all the rest, and including other books that Schultz was involved with but had nothing to do with Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and all the rest. He hosts his own OG blog (laughs) and podcast, and he has written some stories for the late beloved Peanuts comic book from Kaboom that came out a few years back. He's also written about other subjects like the Flintstones, Yogi Bear, Grimjack, and Speed Racer. One of the things that uh, our guest does is reprint books that have fallen into the public domain or are difficult to get in some way, but have historical significance. One of his most recent projects has been reprinting some of the infamous Green Books, which helped African-American travelers navigate the South during the days of segregation. Amazingly, a movie with that title has come out, and the synchronicity has resulted in very healthy book sales for our guest. At the time I recorded this interview, which was only a couple months ago, Green Book had just come out, and I state that I think that I read about it in Rolling Stone, but was barely familiar with the movie. Well, two months later, Green Book is being considered Oscar material and could even win Best Picture, and I've seen it, and I highly recommend it. In any case, here he is, Nat Gertler. All right, so on the phone I have Nat Gertler. How are you, sir? Hi. <laughs> And uh, I guess the uh, the inevitable first question is, how did you, like so many others, become a fan of Charles Schultz's Peanuts comic strip? Well, well Peanuts was already around, always around the house when I was a kid. In fact, my mother, we, we, there, she had four children, and she couldn't keep track of our names at all times, so she just called us all Charlie Brown. <laughs> so really, it was sort of built into to my lifestyle. Um, I, I remember reading Peanuts strip collections at a very early age. Mm-hmm. So, and they just stuck with me. Um, uh, how did that evolve into, gee, I need to know everything, every single possible thing about the strip and the man and everything else? Well, well it, it started with just wanting to read all the strips. Yeah. And the books at the time, there were several different series of books, and this book would have the same strips as these two books combined, and this book would have this book plus that part of half of that book. And it was it was very inefficient to buy to buy books not knowing what was in. So I started to make lists. Uh-huh. Uh, not, I don't have the world's greatest memory, so I started to make lists, and I started posting them on. I, I guess at first it's CompuServe uh-huh. uh, before the web was really a thing. And then eventually uh, uh, on the web, and so I was. At first, my good goal was just to get as few books as possible, to get as few books as I could to get all the, uh, the strips or all the strips that were available. Right. But after a while, I became fascinated with the book formats themselves. I started collecting Peanuts books, so I started running a guide for Peanuts books. Um, in fact, in, ni- in nineteen, uh, sorry, in January two thousand, I, 
started my website with the listings in 1999 and started a newsletter in January of 2000, mm -hmm. uh, which got turned into a blog eventually and still going. Mm -hmm. uh, so several posts uh, a week to uh, mostly about Peanuts books. And so I became that guy and I was just always, you know, always fascinating, picking things up along the way. And I started doing other products. I was also, about the same time that I started the blog, I was a publisher. I became a publisher. Mm, okay. And so I started looking into publishing some of Charles Schultz's non-Peanuts work, some of the things people haven't really seen. Mm -hmm. And so I just, it all just snowballed. I kept getting more interested and more interested, and um, people started to, to recognize me as, as sort of a peanut specialist. And it all, it all just, just kept going. Okay. Um, how, were you the first one? I, I think I, ha I hate to say it. I think I read it in a different book, so we'll talk about that. But are you one of the first ones to discover that originally they skipped over a lot of strips and actually didn't reprint a lot of stuff over the years? Well, that, w that was known. Oh. Uh, there, there were other people keeping tr a very specific track of that. There were people keeping track of exactly okay. which strips were reprinted and, and, and such. So that, that was a known factor. Uh, I, I did not discover that. Uh, Derek Bang did a very good job of keeping a list of how many unreprinted strips there were from each year. Yeah. And, of course, now the answer is none because they yeah. came out with a series <laughs> called Complete Peanuts, and they wiped that all out. I was glad to be able to help with the Complete Peanuts series a little bit. Yeah. Um, because partly because I wanted all the strips, <laughs> you know, I wanted to get them, but I helped them find sources for some things they couldn't find source for. Yeah. And then in the final volume of the Complete Peanuts, they, they did 25 volumes that reprinted the entire run of the Daily Strip. It ran for uh, not quite a full 50 years, but but it, it, into the beginning of its 50th year. <laughs> and so that if they were doing two years per book, so that's 25 books. But they wanted an even number of books because right. they sold these box sets of two books at the end of each year. Mm -hmm. So I helped them put together a book containing peanut stuff that Charles Schultz had done beyond the Daily Strip. There were all these books. There were ads for four uh, automobiles. There were uh, thing, There was a booklet on how to use your camera that had a bunch of original peanut strips done just for that book, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I was the guy who knew where a lot of the bodies were buried. I was working with a couple other folks who also knew uh, about things to look for, and we dredged up as much great lost material as we could. Right. Um, I was going to ask you about that, uh, you know, so, uh, but let's, let's go back to the first 25 volumes, so, um, and also I'll say the other person I was thinking of was Derek Bangs, but I, I don't know how uh, closely you're, you know, you work with any of these other people or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I've known Derek for years. Okay. He edited one of the books I published, um, and he was one of the part of the team on Complete Peanuts 26, so yeah, Derek and I are good. Okay, and uh, so on the let's talk about the first twenty-five volumes. What exactly did you do? Did you provide some of the strips, or what did you do? <laughs> well, there's there, there just a, a few cases where I had helped answer a couple of questions. I found source for a couple of one or two strips that they didn't have any source for, hmm. um, because there was like a Sunday strip that had never been in any of the books, right. but was in one of the comic books that had come out in the 50s mm -hmm. when the comic books were just reprinting uh, strips and, and it wasn't necessarily a uh, Peanuts comic book it might have been a Nancy comic book that had they ran a Peanuts strip in mm -hmm. so you know they found, found uh, that or one or two cases they wanted some better source they, they had a copy of the strip 
but it, the line seemed to be disappearing and, and uh, Kim Thompson would contact me and said, I don't believe, I'm sure that all the foreign editions must have been working for the same stuff, it all looks that bad, and I would go and say, oh, here's a German edition of that very strip you're having a problem with, and there it is, those lines are clearer, we can reproduce from that. So things, things of that nature, so you'll see a small little thank you note in a few of the volumes for okay. things like that. So were you the one that actually discovered, uh, it was, I don't know, one of the earlier volumes, not the first volume, but probably three or four, where they had the, one of the early Sunday strips, and the first two panels were missing or something. Did you? Were you the one that found the missing panels on that? No, they, they came to me looking for those missing panels. I wasn't able to. Oh, okay. somebody, else, somebody else had a clipping, I believe, of, of the newspaper where it ran. But I, uh, yeah, I think it was unfortunate they chose to have somebody else draw a couple panels to take up that space rather than us leave it blank yes. uh, in the first printing. But Yes, I think they've corrected that since, so yeah. <laughs> But, um, so going to volume 26, I will confess that, you know, I, I also, you know, I didn't help with it, but I was talking with Gary Groth for years about this series, and I was really trying to get an introduction, and he just kind of hemmed and hawed. But I said, how are you going to end this thing? Because, you know, I said, you know, it goes up to 2,000, but then, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that had Peanuts uh, appearances, like in the Happiness is a Warm Puppy or wherever, and like you said, the Ford ads and things like that. I mean, are you going to compile that? And he kind of hemmed and hawed about that. But then I was actually really excited when you actually did a 26 volume. I didn't know it was because, oh yeah, you have to fill out the, the box set, but you know, hey, I'll take it. So, um, But even if you didn't have to fill out the box set, it's another book. It's a right, book right. Book. I wanted it to keep going. I said, yeah, I'll do a volume 27 come on keep going yeah. <laughs> um, we, do, we do still have some material that wasn't in that uh, and, and we were trying to reprint the happiness of the warm puppy books because those were available we try to reprint yeah. uh, the, the, the books that we have in there are books that have been off the shelves for, for a decade right and and that was my question it's like what 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 did you decide to include and not include I mean you know, was it a tough decision or very easy or what, what was your criteria well, well, we didn't make the final decisions, which uh, caused a little bit of problem because um, my goal was always things that were as close to being a strip as possible. Mm. Uh, so things with dial. First off, it had to be Schultz. Yeah. There was has been a number of peanuts things done over the years that weren't Schultz, and we were like, no, we just want Schultz peanuts. Yeah. The second thing it had to be peanuts was it, it was what we were doing. Now they ended up putting. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> they ended up putting some of Schultz's pre-Peanuts cartoons into the volume, but that wasn't something that the team I was working with even even knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But if it, if it was a strip done for an ad, that was great. These books, they tell stories, or they, they have character dialogue, that's great. The close, closer it was to being a strip, the more important it was to us. Also, we wanted stuff that was, if, if there were things that weren't in any Schultz book ever, that would be great. If, short of that, if it wasn't in any Schultz book that was currently in print or hadn't been in print recently, that would be better than, say, Happiness is a Warm Puppy, which has been regularly reissued in, in, in recent years. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, Volume 26 was never going to be complete. Okay. It was going to be Selected Apocrypha was the working title I had. I thought Gary Gross did a great job when he decided to name it Comics and Stories. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that did fit, and obviously for those of us with a sense of comics history, you know, Walt Disney's Comics and Stories was a very important right. volume over the years. So that. 
that was pretty good. So I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, I think we actually did a better job than the book shows because there's some stuff we, we accumulated that they didn't run. We, uh, we heard there's going to be some longer text pieces in there, so we accumulated a lot of basically clip art, individual drawings that weren't necessarily telling a story or humorous, but could be used to illustrate uh, an interview or something like that. And they ended up using an awful lot of that stuff where uh, I wish that a, a few more strips that we had sent in could have been uh, used in its place. I, uh, but, that's, but that's my own taste. They have made their decision. Fanagraphics knows what they're doing, obviously. They've sold a lot of complete peanuts books, so more power to them. Is there, is there any, like, huge regrets or uh, something that, you know, if it's not in that book that somebody should get to complete their Peanuts collection? Well, uh, well, my regret, actually my real regret, is that we didn't know what choices they were making when we were writing our introduction. So we talk about there being strips from the 50s to the 90s, and there's nothing from the 90s in there because oh. in the 1990s strip we had, which was a... Uh, chewing to oh, an ad warning against chewing tobacco. Oh, uh, it was a two-panel baseball-oriented ad against chewing tobacco. Uh, that didn't end up being included in the book, so there was actually nothing from the '90s in there. Uh, so that 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 is the regret. But regrets beyond that, I limit because any unused peanuts material gives me an opportunity in the future. Ah, okay. Uh, there's at least one other book that I'm working on that will probably be at least 50% things that have never been in a book before. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to go into the specifics of it. Okay. Uh, it's mostly single-panel stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, that... Uh, I don't see the complete the end of the complete penis as being the end of Schultz's books. Because okay. that's what my next question was. Are there opportunities for more? <laughs> Even if it isn't part of the Fantagraphic series, but you just answered that, so great. Yeah, yeah. No, there's 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 a few more. There's 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 not an infinite amount of stuff out out there, but there's at least one more worthwhile book to be done. Okay. Now there's there's other books that you have that are Schultz related. They're not Peanuts related, and I have most of those. And I guess we'll just kind of go through them and talk about them and just uh, the brief history. Most people may not even be aware that Schultz did anything other than Peanuts. So uh, the first one you helped out on or did or whatever is it's only a game. So how did what was the reason Schultz did that strip and how did that come about? Well, uh, Schultz just wanted to do a second strip, something that wasn't peanuts, something that exercised uh, some different options. It was common for a creator to do multiple strips back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he started, it's only a game, really, it was designed to run either as three dailies or a Sunday, but it, I, as far as I can tell, I haven't found anybody who ran as a daily. It, it ran as a Sunday with three single panel gags and then a small mini gag in the header. And Schultz did it all by himself for the first month or so. But after that, he just did uh, layouts, and a guy named Jim Sasseville uh, did the completed work. Mm-hmm. And this thing only ran for a, a little over a year. It, it started in 30-some papers, and it ended in 30-some papers. It wasn't growing. And mm-hmm. Peanuts, of course, at the time, this was 1957 to 1959, Peanuts was already big and getting bigger. So Schultz didn't really need it, uh, and uh, he figured it was time to, it wasn't going anywhere, it was time to walk away from it. Uh, Sasseville kind of wanted to take it over himself, but Schultz didn't want that to quite happen, hmm. so it, that, that came to an end. And this is a material that I thought had 
why they were produced, but there's like one about golf and, and uh, you know, one on another sport. And, but other than that, and these are obscure, you'll, you'll not, you're not going to find these things. Um, this stuff had never been in a book, and I'm like, it's, it's Charles Schultz. Yeah. You know, uh, it's Charles Schultz being funny. Some of it's very good stuff. Yeah. And I was, I eagerly arranged to find copies of everything. Some of those things had to be scanned from microfiche. Uh, I, I have, but uh, we were working with Jim Sasseville, the guy who did, drew most of them, mm. and he had copies of all the ones he'd drawn, he, you know, cut, cut out of the newspapers. Mm. So he managed to work uh, from that. Derek Bang interviewed him and got facts to put in, into there. And we managed to bring this bit of obscurity back to life. Now, is it true that there's two editions? The version I have just has all the strips or panels or whatever you want to call it uh, in black and white. But isn't there a color version? I think I saw that. Is it, so what's the difference between the two? Other there, is, there is now a color version. Well, um, I, I put out the black and white version originally. It's a nice thick book with one pan, panel gag per page. Uh, you know, a, a nice presentation that felt good in the hand. Mm-hmm. But a few years back, I switched most of my publishing. My publishing company, About Comics, had been distributed to the bookstores by Diamond Book Distribution, distributed to the comic stores by Diamond Comics. And I decided to make things a bit smaller, and I went mostly with a print-on-demand uh, production. Mm-hmm. And while I was... I never wanted to do color books when I was doing them originally, because you have to sell so many copies to make the, the color printing worthwhile. Color printing has gotten a little better now, but but still, it's much more expensive than doing black and white printing, and I, I am a very risk-adverse person. Mm-hmm. But when I was doing print-on-demand, uh, the joy of print-on-demand is that first copy costs you only a few bucks to print. Right. So I, especially... I could keep the price of it down if instead of putting one panel per page, I reprinted the entire Sunday as it originally appeared on a single page. Okay. And so that that's the color edition that's available now. It can be ordered from Amazon, uh, among other places. Okay. And uh, it, it's a, a thinner book because it's only got one page for each week instead of three or three and a half. But uh, it... it gets it out there, keeps the material available. In some cases, the original color, in some cases, I only had a black and white edition, so I had to create my own color to, to match the style of, of the strip. Okay, so uh, the contents are both identical to both books, it's just one is color and like the Sunday strip layout, as it were? Yes, okay. yes, and I even kept, kept Jim Sasseville's comments from the earlier edition in, into later and we got better source on a couple of strips, so they look a little better in the in the color edition, even even the line work. Which is actually one of the nice things about print on demand is if I ever there's a, there are a few strips where we're working from microfilm, microfiche, whatever, and they're not as quite as sharp as I would ultimately like. But if I ever find a good copy of those, I can actually update the book in a couple days, and every copy bought after then will would be even better. Oh wow! Okay, all right. Uh, because, like I said, I, I I had the black and white version. I had no idea there was a color version. So, you know, I'll have to seek that one out <laughs> because that sounds interesting. And you know, especially if there's higher quality uh, images on some of the strips that you had since the first version. So, um, another one that you uh, had, and I don't know if I have these, so you will have to explain this one to me. Um, bridge mix. What is that? Oh, bridge. Well, when. Schultz was pitching It's Only a Game. At first it was just going to be panel, a panel about the 
game bridge, the card game, mm-hmm. which was very popular in the 1950s. All, all the newspapers had bridge columns. A lot of them still do. Uh, so he was going to do a bridge panel, and eventually it expanded to the idea of being about not just bridge, but sports and other leisure activities. But every week there would be one gag about bridge, and the newspapers could cut that out of the, of the Sunday layout and put it where they ever they put their bridge column. Uh-huh. Uh, so what that meant is I had 50-some gags specifically about the game of bridge. And being uh, part of the trick to selling comics is finding your audience. And I knew that I could sell books about uh, it's only a game to Schultz fans. Right. But if I, try, if I try putting together a book of cartoons about bridge and sell it to bridge fans who might like comics. I see, okay. And that, <laughs> again... Being put on demand, there was a low risk in doing this, and I found an audience. Um, we've sold thousands of the, of the bridge mix. It still sells reasonably regularly. A lot of the copies we sold are were sold to bridge tournaments, who oh. give them out to all the players. Okay, wow. <laughs> See, I was thinking yeah. it was just another undiscovered strip, and I go, oh, here's more stuff, but apparently that's also included, and it's only a game if you just want to buy that version. Is right, that- right. If you want the Schultz stu- that, that stuff, uh, and you get it, it's only a game, all those strips are in there. That's, the bridge makes it just a marketing phenomenon. Got it, okay. Uh, because see, I'm- I, also, <laughs> I also have a book called uh, Golf Gags by Classic Cartoonists, and it's got a lot of Schultz in there, but all but two of the Schultz cartoons that are in it are It's Only a Game cartoons. Got it, okay. Because, see, I'm like you, or at least <laughs> in a certain way, is I'm a completist, I want to get everything Schultz, and I go, well, if there's something else I don't have here, I want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I would want to buy that book if I didn't make it, but that's because I'm trying to buy all of the books. I have over a thousand Peanuts and Schultz-related books in oh. my... Og.com reference library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I'm insane that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one listed is Spares. Is that the similar thing as Ridge Mix, but about uh, bowling? Is that correct? Or no? Yes. Spare, okay. Spares is about bowling, and it okay. used a mix of stuff from It's Only a Game and from church, uh, from, from Schultz's work for the Church of God. He okay. used to do a, a ca- cartoon series for the Church of God. And Spares is only available for a very short while because. I was publishing another book uh, you see on the list called Schultz's Youth. Mm-hmm. And what that was was a collection of all the cartoons that he had done for the Church of God. Mostly it was this panel that actually got syndicated to other church papers uh, about teenagers and the church. Mm. Single panel gag. It's, a lot of that had been collected over the years. Uh, uh, our, uh, Schultz's Youth had all of the panels that had been collected and a, do- a dozen or two that had, hadn't ever appeared in book form before. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else had, was along out of print by that point. So I was glad to be able to put them back. Plus, with the deal I made with it, I was able to put out things like spares and aim it for bowling people because mm-hmm. there's enough bowling gags between the two things to make a fairly thin book. <laughs> but that was only on the market for, for a little while. Okay. Now, I have Schultz's Youth. Now, in that one... Um and I also have the original books that came out in the 60s, you know, the uh, Young Pillars, and I can't think of the other two, but there's three of them, if I remember correctly. Old Bug and Old Pharaoh, yeah, those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you got all those strips, I'm sure, from that, or panels or whatever, from the, those books. But the ones that were missing, how did you accumulate those? Were they in the... Well, I would- I was dealing with Warner Press. Uh, That's the publishing arm of the Church of God. But I say Warner Press, people think I'm dealing with DC Comics, but no, (laughs) that's that's 
Warner's, Time Warner's, Warner Brothers, but it's not Warner Press. Uh, Warner Press is the publishing arm of Church of God, and they had put out some of those collections you were you were talking the collections you were talking about. There have been they've also licensed over the years a couple collections to other publishers, uh, but um, so they have uh, archives of the uh, of youth, which is their magazine where all the panels first appeared. I see. Okay. And I paid somebody there to go through that and scan everything, and you know oh, most of which I had in one of these other books. But then there was also there was also the few that didn't, and that was I was glad to found them, glad to bring them out. Uh, I also told them to look in a magazine called uh, Reach, and they told me uh, no Schultz. Reach didn't start until after Schultz was done doing cartoons for us. There's nothing in there. Uh, I said, look in a magazine called Reach. And they're like, no. It, I, I, we talked to the editor of Reach. Schultz never did work for it. They said, please look at a magazine called Reach. And they found five more cartoons. Uh, so, <laughs> it, it, it helps to know, know where things might be hidden. Yes. Um, it, now, what, what are the what's the story of the two books? Uh, one's called Zipper on the Bible on my Bible is stuck, and God's Children. Are those compilations from those other books, or those, those, those are compilations of the, of the Church of God material? We we were I was those are really I did a, books to pitch to other publishers. I was uh, talking to some publishers in the Christian book marketplace. I see. And so so those, those be books designed for the Christian bookstores. Uh, I had some nibbles but no bites on, on them, mm-hmm. and my time was running out, so I put out, put them out, made them briefly available. Um, and but there, it's the same, it's the same material, just arranged differently, uh, presented in full color, made to look more like a Happiness is a Warm Puppy book, I see. where you have the picture on one side and the text facing it. Okay, so again, those have color, but if you want to have all the panels, get Schultz's Youth. Yeah, Schultz's, yeah. Schultz's Youth and. It, well, Schultz's Youth is unfortunately out of print. I, I've uh, that was something I licensed and, and I ran through my license on it. Okay. Uh, they can be found used, and I, I think anybody who's really into Schultz would enjoy that. Okay, yeah, as as usual, that would be the version I'd want, just because it has all of them. Unless you did reissue it complete again in color or something else that would make me want to buy it that way. Yeah, well, you know, if I reissue it in color, you shouldn't want it because those were things that Schultz did in black and white. I see. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> um, there are some, uh, you know, I'll talk about some other ones here, but, you know, just some books that kind of popped in my head. Uh, would these ever be recompiled at any point, like 2x4s or Dear President Johnson or even the the uh, uh, Kids Say the Darndest Thing books or things like that? Would you ever consider those, or is that... Well, two, all, all the cartoons from 2x4s are in Schultz's Youth. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. It is in there. The, 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 text, the text isn't, and Schultz actually did work on the text of that book. Uh, for people who haven't heard of it, that's a book on bringing up very young children in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Schultz has some things to say about that, as well as his co-author, Kenneth Hall. But uh, people think that Schultz just did the cartoons, and he didn't. The... Uh, Dear President Johnson, I actually have reprinted. It's now available for me. I licensed that. Oh, okay. uh, it was multiple licenses because Schultz, the Schultz family owned the art and Bill Adler's family owned the text. But I cut a deal with both of them and we sell that through Amazon. But actually, uh, most of the copies we su- sell are sold through museums. Uh. Because, 
because there's a Charles Schultz Museum and there's an LBJ Museum. <laughs> I would never think of having it at the... Well, I guess it makes sense. Uh, dear President Johnson, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, Museums are, are my main... Second, Amazon is my biggest market yeah. for everything I publish. But museums are my significant second market. I don't even sell... I sell very rarely anything to comic stores anymore. Wow. Okay. But uh, but I do very, very nice business, although a lot of it isn't the comics material, with uh, museums, gift, the museum gift shops. Now, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was saying, in, in your reprint of it, uh, is there any extra material or annotations or missing strips that weren't in the original book? or Not strips, but artwork? No, there's, there's no additional artwork from Dear President Johnson. The one, most of it is just scanned from from the originals, making it available again. The one change we did is we removed all the cursive writing and replaced that because they they're 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 not genuine they aren't genuine copies of the original letters that that, that to President Johnson. They're always very clearly had been redone for presentation. But kids these days don't read cursive. <laughs> A lot of them. They, 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 a lot of them not, never learn cursive. So I thought in order to be able to sell this to the kids who are on their field trip to the LBJ Museum, it would help if they were, we use handwritten fonts or actually got got my own kids to hand copy some of the letters. Mm. <laughs> uh, so to make them to make them look authentic. But, they, you know, they, they, they're not, no cursive in there. Okay. So it is a little bit different, but there's no real need if you have the original, which is what I have, but I was just kind of right. curious about uh, that. Um, and then the other one I mentioned, the uh, the two Art Link letter books, you know, the kids say the darndest things, and I think there's a sequel, right? Yeah, kids say the darndest things, and kids still say the darndest things, both illustrated by Schultz. But kids say the darndest things is actually in print. Okay. But would you would you ever have a need or want to uh, just take the images out of the, those books and do that as a separate volume of something? Well, I I, I would use them. I, I thought about doing a big pile of any scrap of Schultz book, yeah. and I would definitely try to use those. Um, but I've, I've used some of that imagery on my blog and such. The the, the kids say the first volume kids right. say the darndest things because mm-hmm. it's sometimes very handy to have. Charles Schultz kids that aren't peanuts. Right. <laughs> um, in in any of your collections or going through things, and I'm sure you worked with the Charles Schultz Museum over the years, uh, are there original artwork for any of these that still exist, or is it all scans from books and things like that? Uh, for some of this stuff, yeah, there, there is some original artwork out there. The Schultz Museum has a fair portion of uh, the strips that Sparky drew, uh, sorry, Sparky Schultz, mm-hmm. um, that Schultz drew for It's Only a Game, for example. Okay. Uh, yeah, so so they, they've got some of that. I don't know if they have any of the uh, Schultz's youth material. Uh, I have seen bits of Dear President Johnson for uh, up at auction. Mm. Uh, don't don't have the money to buy them, but, but uh, okay. I helped
Premium has some of the ad uh, peanut strips that uh, was on, done for the Ford Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always ask about that because it's like when you interview different people about different things, it's like, oh, yeah, the, uh, I'm making it up, but oh, yeah, all the peanuts uh, drawings done for, you know, this book, they were just tossed out because nobody cared, you know? It's like, you know... And then you're like, ah, you know, whereas, you know, most of the original dailies, I think, all still exist of the real peanut strip. I don't think there's any that are lost. Maybe there are Oh, no, no, some definitely got lost because there, there was the, well, there was the fire in the, the coffee grounds, Schultz's old studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. took some of them. And then, unfortunately, more recently, uh, Charles Schultz's house burned down, where his wife was still living. And they had some art on the walls and stuff like that. Ooh. So there's definitely some that have been destroyed. Um, but there's also some, who knows where it is, it's out there. The Schultz Museum has been trying to reacquire what they can. Um, and I've actually helped them once or twice figure out what a piece of, of art was. There was this one uh, oversized, it was larger than a Sunday page, peanut strip. Mm-hmm. And that was up for auction, and they they weren't sure what it was. Jeannie Schultz, uh, Schultz Charles Schultz's widow, mm-hmm. uh, contacted me. and was like, "What is this thing?" And I, I that was from Look Magazine. He drew oh. Look Magazine was doing an article about him, and he drew a strip just for them. And yes, that is something you want because a it's big, <laughs> and b if you look carefully, it introduces all the characters. It, it was like, this is a strip done for Look Magazine for people who don't know any of the characters. So everybody who was regular in the strip at the time marches through in, that, in the course of the strip. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty cool one to find. I'm glad that that survived. Mm-hmm. And that one is in Complete Peanuts 26. Oh, okay. I'll have to look at that one again, uh, that volume, just to see what's in there again. <laughs> uh, it's easy to not find it. People have repeatedly told me, this, is it really there? Yes, it's on the back cover. Yeah. <laughs> so you sit there and look and look and look and you're not finding it, but you're not looking at the cover. Ah, okay. I will look at the back cover. Uh, um, quick question just popped in my head um, because, you know, I was just thinking about the just different spots I've seen Peanuts artwork. In those calendars that uh, that used to appear from Determined Productions in the 60s and 70s predominantly, I guess they went into the 80s too a little bit, were those original drawings by Schultz for the calendars, or were they just frame blow-ups from the strips? I'm afraid I haven't really looked much at the calendars, so I really can't say. Uh, Determined definitely used uh, frame reproductions for a number of things, and also pasted pieces together for a number of shots I've seen in some projects. Okay. But if you look at, like, the book Supper Time, the book Supper Time is all, which is one of the Happiness is a Warm Puppy series of books. Right. But Supper Time, it's all individual panels taken from, from strips, uh, which a lot of the, the previous books hadn't been, had been original Schultz, but I guess that was one way of getting out one more book without, well, Schultz was, Schultz was very busy in the 1960s. There was a lot going on. You know, suddenly you're doing TV specials, you're doing movies. Uh, you've got a, a play going on based on your work. Uh, there was there was enough things tying up his time, so I, I can understand why they wanted to get something out that was simpler on him. Right. 
Um, did he have contraction? Uh, he must have or something. But, you know, was there a reason to keep doing those smaller books like Happiness is a Warm Puppy? Because it seemed like, you know, the first couple were really wildly successful, like Security is a Thumb in a Blanket, blah, blah, blah. But then you're talking about things like Supper Time and Happiness is a Sad Song and stuff. Surely those weren't as popular as the earlier ones. What kept him doing those? Were they Was he under contractual obligation to do those? I never really knew the story behind those. Uh, I don't think there was there was a deep contractual obligation, but there was a somewhat of a close relationship with the people that determined. I see. So there was a very friendly relationship. But you could sell a lot less than Happiness is a Warm Puppy sold and still have a very worthwhile book. I mean, Happiness is a Warm Puppy was, was oh. on the bestseller list for over, like, a, about a year. Yeah. So, you know. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I was just kind of curious. And then, you know, it got to the end there that you did, like, just strip reprints and I don't even know if there's any new artwork in Peanuts cookbook and the lunch bag cookbook maybe the cover artwork was new but was that just a a, a last ditch effort to get a couple more books after Schultz himself got too busy to work on them or what's the origins of those well if I remember correctly the cookbook author was the sister of the head of Determined Productions yeah I think that's right yeah So, so yeah she was doing other cookbooks for them yeah. So it, 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 it's a logical thing. People were putting peanuts on everything. The weirdest thing Determined Productions ever did, in my mind, is they put out a book called Peanuts Projects, which was an activity book. Hmm. You know, it had mazes, it had things that cut apart, it had a play in it to perform, and this was before there was any Peanuts plays. Uh, it had all kinds of amazing stuff, but the cover to it says Peanuts Projects in very square lettering. Hmm. And it has pictures of, like, an inkwell and paintbrushes and all the things you might want to use. And it says, paint, Brad. It uses Brad as a verb. Paste. There are no pictures of Peanuts characters on the cover. There's nothing that really lets you know this is Peanuts Peanuts, that this is the comic strip Peanuts. Hmm. And this is you know, one of the most valuable things going at the time. I mean, this is, you know, before Charlie Brown Christmas, but we're still talking, 19, I think it was 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still it a huge property, and why do you bother doing it and not advertise it? That's weird, yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that, was, that was strange. I did a whole uh, episode of my podcast on that book. <laughs> I'll have to listen to your podcast, so I'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, more questions about Determine. What happened to them? I mean, it's like it seemed like they were going pretty well for about 20 years or so. And then, you know, the calendars started getting published by other printers. And, uh, you know, it's just like everything else. Uh, You know, even in other Peanuts books, is it just the contracts ran out? Or uh, did the company kind of go belly up, which seems amazing to me if they had such wild success early on? Or what was their story? That detail, I really, I really don't know. I okay. really can't answer for you. Okay, okay. Because I know Determined did other books over the years, even in the same size as Happiness is a Warm Puppy. Like, there's a book called Booze, and a book called Washington, D.C., and I've seen other ones, you know, and it's just like, okay, they're trying to capitalize on that format. Um, I've even seen uh, Dennis the Menace book, although it's a slightly larger size, it is a square, and they're trying to capitalize on that same happiness as a warm puppy, but it didn't really work. In his well, well, to a third degree, everybody still trying to capitalize on happiness as a warm puppy, right. in that, as best as I can tell, that was effectively the invention of the modern gift book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the simple text, 
a number of pictures, things you buy to give as a little gift book. And it, it, so much came came after it. In addition to so many parodies of happiness as a worm puppy, um, <laughs> there were there were a lot of those put out over the years. Oh, but yeah. there, but just the whole if, if you see it, an inspirational book by the the counter of your bookstore, that is probably there because Happiness is a Warm Puppy was such a hit in the 1960s. Now, what, what, who came up with the idea? Was it Schultz himself or somebody else suggested it to him, or how did that work? I, I think that the determined people had seen the Happiness is a Warm Puppy strip and said, we got something here, can you give us a book of this? Okay. If I recall correctly. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. But, but, but I'll tell you something. There's a reason I never call myself a peanuts expert. I'm a yeah. peanut specialist. Okay. But I'm aware that there is so much stuff that I do not know. I, yeah. I mean, you can With peanuts, it is so wide and so broad and comes through so many different media and things like that. There are so many rabbit holes that one can go into in terms of the history, in terms of the business, in terms of all sorts of things that I am more aware than anybody else of how much I still do not know. So I'm a peanuts specialist. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or actually, I go by professional peanuts nerd. Often. I was going to say I'm a novice compared. Although I've been a, a huge peanuts fan for a long time, but I think through you and through Derek and a few others, you know, it's like I've learned a lot of stuff, you know, that I didn't know before, and it's like I'm still learning things. So, um, you know, and I piece things together and figure it out. But I'm always curious if I'm I'm right or or totally off the mark on things. So it, it is kind of interesting, but I guess it's just that one thing led to another um that the happiness as a warm puppy came out at that time uh from the standpoint of you know you'd think that he would have made the bigger splash on tv first and then there'd be a cash-in book or something like that not the other way around but yeah but, but, but penis was always already getting pretty huge i mean yeah. penis was 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 has was already winning the the rubin award and penis was in a lot more papers than when it started Peanuts was was a popular thing already, and in fact, you know, about then you're also seeing uh, Peanuts animation just on ads on TV on the Tennessee Ernie Ford show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was it was a big thing to be exploited. Just like you know, Dilbert had we we had books certainly before there's any attempt at animated Dilbert, but animated Dilbert was unimportant. True, <laughs> and still <laughs> a little bit of apples and oranges, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, now you did one book that actually kind of fits nicely with the Happiness is a Warm Puppy series, even though it was done years later. Is uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas Stocking? How did that book come about? Well, Charlie Brown's Christmas Stocking was that I knew there were these stories that were lying around that had been done for women's magazines in the, <laughs> the 1960s, and they weren't. I can't call them obscure because those magazines were selling in the millions at the time. Uh, but it, it seemed to, uh, uh, the waste that these things were not had not been in print in book form ever. And I also realized that if you if you broke one of them was presented uh, with uh, single panels with uh, text underneath, mm-hmm. and the other one was done more as a comic story over two pages. But if you broke them down to single panels, you had a nice, if thin, little book that told two stories. Mm-hmm. And and I would love you know I was like why is this lying around so I you know I talk I show I basically designed the book and showed it to Kim Thompson at Fantagraphics and he was like yeah yeah of course yeah you know Charlie <laughs> Brown Christmas. 
those two things go together pretty well. We yeah. can probably sell a few copies of that. So, you know, and, and we ended up rewriting the material uh, also in Complete Peanuts 26. That's right. But before that, that happened, uh, one of the stories from there uh, was also re- released as a Sew Your Own Cloth book. Oh. They, for, they did a number of uh, books that, that are just basically just a sheet of fabric, and you cut and you sew and you, and you make a, a cloth book. And that was just to me a sign that I'd rescued something. That <laughs> by bringing it out and back in book form, it was now going to find another home and it would be an, a, an alive piece of work. And I was really glad to see that. Now, what made you discover it? Did you see it in the magazine originally when it came out, or uh, you'd heard about it? Or Because, I mean, well, well, yeah, well, it sold in the millions, I guess, but people don't necessarily keep those type of magazines. They throw them out, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, but if they don't throw them out, they list them on eBay. And as a collector, sorting through things, I discovered things that were, were on eBay. And ah, so, okay. Uh, we ended up putting two of the three Christmas stories in there, and we should have, should have thought about putting the third, but, but uh, I didn't at the time. Okay. Uh, but that ended up in Complete Penis too. The third one was sort of interesting because it was a story that started in Better Homes and Gardens and ended in the Daily Strip mm-hmm. about uh, putting on uh, a Christmas pageant or, um, and Linus doing his part in a Christmas pageant. Mm-hmm. And you can read either half of it and you're fine. You don't know that the other half exists. Yeah. But the but the strips, the newspaper strips, had been reprinted so many times over the years, and nobody knew about the the Better Homes Gardens part of it. <laughs> but we did put that in complete peanuts twenty six, so that mm-hmm. that has been rescued. I do remember that. Yeah. Now at this point, is there anything from some of those women's magazines that hasn't seen reprint yet, or is it pretty much done? Not that I'm aware of. There's always a chance for something else out, out there, but those three were the real original works. A, a lot of times the women's magazines would run excerpts from the new Happiness is a Warm Puppy type book or things of that nature. Um, I, what, one women's magazine ran the text from, I think it was Peanuts Jubilee, which is this great big reprint with tons and tons of Sunday strips in color, but they just ran the text and they they just put out the cover like 1995 value or whatever the price was of the book. Hmm. And it was just as good to get the text of a book full of peanuts strips as it was to get the book full of peanut strips. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, uh, Let's see. Um, Now, one of the other things that you helped uh, and wrote a number of strips for, or uh, actually, uh, stories for I should say, is there's a, a newer Peanuts comic book uh, for Boom at the, at the time. How did that come about? That comic book series. Uh, well, that the, the Peanuts folks were had talked to a few people about possibly doing uh, some new stories and, and, new, and new material, not obviously drawn by Schultz because he was dead, and if they could got, have gotten him to draw it, that would have been great. But uh, <laughs> so. Quite sure how Boom was settled on because I wasn't there right at the very beginning, but I had known before Boom announced it that there were some talks going on, mm-hmm. and that material was all really effectively overseen by uh, the Charles Schultz studio. Okay, associates. And once it got going, I was like, "Hey, I'm 
I'm a Peanuts guy. I mean, the folks at Tilton Studio knew me. I already written books about Peanuts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, officially licensed stuff. And uh, by the way, I'm also an Eisner Award nominated comics writer. Maybe I could do something for you. And okay. I, I, I did not have, like ten stories for them. Okay. Now, um, I, I, forgive me. I don't remember when this was. Uh, if it's your blog or if it was somewhere else, but I was thinking it was on your blog, um, that you actually literally went through every Peanuts comic book in the past, you know, including Nancy and Tip Top and everything else, and you did find every instance where Schultz himself actually did uh, some new material for the comic book, and it probably was like two stories or something like that. Is that correct? It, it, was more, it was more than two stories. Okay. There was a couple of stories for Nancy, and then there was uh, much of one of the issues of the Dell Peanuts. Uh, apparently, there was one issue where, for some reason, they had about 24 hours to get it done, and uh, I believe Jim Fastville drew... And at that point, the, the Peanuts comics were running without ads, mm-hmm. so it was 32 pages of comics, mm-hmm. and Jim Fastville drew, in those 24 hours, one eight Answered it, but is there uh, a source that has all the Dell Peanut stuff, even if it wasn't done by Schultz, from wherever it originally appeared, tip top or anything? Well, the Dell Peanuts uh, archive from Boom mm-hmm. has all, or just about all, it's actually just about all, mm-hmm. of the material that was not done for a comic book that had Peanuts as its cover title. Mm-hmm. So it's got all the stuff done for. mentioned i'm gonna have to seek that one out because i think that's what i really was looking for is if there is a because it's like anytime i collect any of this stuff it's like 
oh, here's another issue, and there's one Peanuts page in here, you know, and here's another, oh, and there's one Peanuts page, it's like, I can't be getting all these other comic books when I just really just want the one page, even if it's not by Schultz, you know, but that's... Just yeah, no, Del Peanuts Archive is actually a very well done reproduction of the material, uh, a little smaller than a comic book, but not, but the, the material is done big and open, so that's not a problem, okay. uh, so I, I really do, if that's what you want, I really do recommend it, apparently the left out a few one-page stories that appeared in some of the, of the magazines, but they got all of the four- and eight-page stories. Now, did you help out in any way on that volume, or are you just aware of it? No, I'd actually been in talks with the three, for three different publishers over the years for doing collections of the Dell material, uh-huh. and in each case, for whatever reason, it never quite happened. Uh, one of the publishers was myself, but I was also dealing with you know, fanographics and Dark Horse, and for whatever reason, things that they were interested in doing, this, it never quite pulled together. Uh, so I was glad to see somebody get it done. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then a um, couple other things you worked on over the years. Uh, uh, Chip Kidd did a book called The Art of Charles Schultz, which I liked a lot. Um, how, what did you do with the, on that book? Oh, well, you saw my name on it. You saw the later paperback edition. What I did was corrected some of the facts that were in the hardcover edition. Well, I have both. I have the hardcover and the paperback because they look different, you know, and they have different, a little bit of different material, so yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they added some additional material for the paperback, which is good, but there were uh, just a few factual mistakes. I, I list them somewhere on my uh, com website. Okay. Uh, minor stuff, mostly, uh, but... You know, you know, as long as you're doing it, as long as you can put out a new edition, you might as well correct them. So I think that I think I got thanked for that in the paperback of memory serves. Got it. Okay, I was just curious about that because yeah, I haven't really sat down. I just knew that the paperback had uh, some additional material, but I didn't really sit down and say, oh, they corrected this, they corrected that. Okay, so now I know that uh, there's some text changes too. So okay. Um, yeah. Two books that came out that were actually, I think they were pretty successful. They certainly got good distribution. Is the two hardback books that she worked on. One's called Classic Peanuts, and then it's kind of sequel, I guess, or follow-up or whatever. Snoopy Treasures. How did those books come about, and what what makes them unique, too? Well, the, well, the first one's actually Peanuts Collection. Classic Peanuts is another book that's oh. a tiny, little, insignificant thing that came in a paint-by-number. Oh, did I get the title wrong? I apologize. What was the actual title, then? Uh, the Peanuts Collection. Okay, Peanuts Collection. Yeah, I probably the just wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that was a book put together by a packager called... Uh, uh, the packager reached out to me because they needed somebody who could write about peanuts, and they found my blog. Mm. And they said, well, you look like you, you can write... Do you think you can write a book? <laughs> and they didn't realize I had written two dozen books prior in my career. I'd, I'd <laughs> written things like The Complete Idiot's Guide to PowerPoint and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was a working writer. But really, so, can you write a book? No, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that, was, that was a fun book to, to work on at times. At times. Uh, I got to do a lot of, of good research and try to chase down Peanuts in all... Of, my goal was to show, obviously, the Peanuts... The strip is a strong trunk of a tree, which is a really, it's really weight and strong. But you have all these branch offs, you have all these ads, you have the animated, you have all kinds of different things going on. So I wanted to sort of show Peanuts in all its glory. And it's a really cool book because it has a lot of a lot of art uh, reproductions, full color, 
coffee table type book, but also has removable items, reproductions of uh, Peanuts trading cards and of uh, you know a, a Peanuts recipe, you know, things you can flip open on the pages and all, uh, th- stickers and, and all sorts of interesting material. And some of what's reproduced in there is actually uh, pictures of my own collection, things from my, you know, my own copies. So I was sort of proud. But I got to do things like interview an astronaut who had taken his uh, childhood Snoopy doll up with him into space. <laughs> and, you know, so there's a lot of uh, good times in there. And the book got very well received. Mm-hmm. So I was really, really glad to see that, and, and it sold really quite well. I don't know exactly how well because yeah. I didn't. I wasn't on a royalty term. But when you're on royalty, they have to tell you how many to sell to explain how well they're paying you. But uh, when you're not on royalty terms, that's not the case. Oh, well, um, and then there's a sequel one, uh, Snoopy, that, right? You know, that was... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was technically not a sequel because yeah. it's a different publisher, <laughs> uh, but it, it's. It's very much focused on Snoopy, but Snoopy again in all its forms, mm-hmm. and it's we we cover things like all the Snoopy restaurants that have been opened over the years, oh. or uh, that 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 the, the folks traveling in, in folks in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. There was one stretch of the river called Snoopy's Nose, which was actually quite mm-hmm. dangerous. There was a big, big loops like like Snoopy's nose, and what that meant is you were going from a place where the the enemy could spy you on the bank on one side of the loop and run over and be ready for you on the other. So it was a, it was a very dangerous place. But, you know, Snoopy's, Snoopy going off into, into, into space as uh, part, part of the space shuttle. Snoopy is, as the Snoopy one, um, uh, the blimp mm-hmm. that, that that life was doing all kinds of things. So there's, there's lots of little stuff in there, but there's also obviously you know a lot of stuff about the strip, a lot of stuff about the character, how it was developed, mm-hmm. things like that. But it's just celebrating Snoopy and all its forms. Are there any plans to do any more books like that, or about other characters in the strip, or no? It's like uh, well, well I'm, I'm sure everybody's demanding the big Pigpen book, but yes. uh, <laughs> they, they haven't come, haven't come to me to write it yet. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, uh, there's no, there's nothing currently in the work, but. Okay. Often, what happens is an anniversary happens, and they say, "Well, for this anniversary, we want we want to have some sort of book out." Right. So the the Peanuts collection was like the 60th anniversary, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So if if that happens, hey, if, I'd be glad to do it. Okay, uh, you you mentioned it earlier, and then we'll kind of talk about it now. So you, you originally started in I I don't know how you pronounce it, but I'm sure it's Og Blog. Og, yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, now an accompanying podcast. So uh, how did the blog come about, and how did it evolve into a podcast? Well, the the blog started in part because. About the time that Charles Schultz announced his retirement, suddenly people became very interested in Peanuts, and that was the the end of 1999. He announced that, uh-huh. and Peanuts books became hard to find. I was already had a website which listed Peanuts books and had ordering links to Amazon, so I could make a little money off of it. Uh-huh. You came know, to the site and you saw a Peanuts book you wanted, you clicked on the link. Amazon gave me a little bit of, of the money when you spent it. They didn't charge you any more, but they gave me a little cut for sending you their way. Right. Uh, so I was making a little bit of money on that, but I started to discover that. Most of the links were going to things that were out of print because suddenly all the copies of any Peanuts books were gone. Hmm. So I started monitoring what was available and started sending out a newsletter to people interested, saying, "Okay, these are the books that are that are 
still available. And while I was there, I was also making comments about new peanuts books that were out or interesting things I had found. And so that ran as an email newsletter for a while and then eventually translated over into a blog. Mm-hmm. That way I could post something whenever I wanted to. I wasn't harassing people by email, although you can get the, the blog by email if you want. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just kept on going. And sometimes it would be one post in a week, sometimes it would be seven. It was whatever I had to do. You know, I didn't try to force it. But since I get, get in a lot of Peanuts books, we publish a lot of Peanuts books. And I list the announcement of a new Peanuts book, and then when it comes out, I review it. So there's a lot of material to be had. When they first show the cover, I run the cover. There's a lot of material to be had in there. And I get into a lot of interesting side things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was going on for for quite a while, uh-huh. and then a little over a year ago, uh, I saw I, I started thinking the, the podcast, the blog things are sort of dying a little bit. Uh, the blog is available through Facebook, but that causes problems. Uh, so we're sort of blogs are sort of losing people. But I also wanted to experiment with podcasts. Mm-hmm. I have people keep telling me I have a good voice. Yeah. And I have to believe them because I hear it enough times. <laughs> so, well, no, I'm serious. It, 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 you, you don't, you never sound really impressive to yourself. And in fact, right. if you hear your voice recorded, it loses some of the timber that you hear it inside your head. Right. So you sound even worse recorded than you do in your head. <laughs> but uh, um, I heard enough times that I had enough voice. I'd done a little bit of voice stuff before recording books for the blind and dyslexic, yeah. uh, textbooks mostly. As a volunteer thing, but I, I wanted to, to to do a bit more. Um, and the podcast, to a certain degree, is it's fun to do. It's something to do, but it was also it's training for me so that I can record audio books at some point. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but I figured I I do it weekly. I try to get myself enough material. I built up a few episodes ahead of time, and the last what I call October in October. Uh, that was that was my my big release, and every week since then there has been a new episode. And sometimes it's five minutes, and sometimes it's forty five minutes. If I have have an interview or something, uh, sometimes they go they go that long. Uh, but most of them are in the fifteen minute ish range. The okay. one I just went up yesterday is in the fifteen minute range, and I do all kinds of things within the context. Most of it's about peanuts books. Uh, sometimes it's just just a deep look at an interesting book like Peanuts Project. The first episode, I actually recommend that people go to try it. They try the first episode, which usually isn't the case with things because you, you learn things after the first episode, but I'm still so proud of the, kind of proud of the first episode. Okay. And that isn't so much focused on books as on a series of Peanuts film strips from about 
probably it was done for diversity reasons because you're talking to U.S. school children. You're talking to a diverse group of folks, and you want at least a reasonable attempt at representation. So Franklin was used a lot, but Dolores was introduced just for the film strips. Hmm. And uh, she, she appeared in, in probably every one of them, or almost every one of them. Um, and it, it, my, discover, my finding this material actually answered questions for uh, a peanut ex- expert out there who uh, was really into peanut animation, but there's a book which says, here's the cast of peanut animation, here's the girl who plays Dolores, and he was, for, for years, <laughs> going, who? <laughs> there's no Dolores in Peanuts. <laughs> but, but it was in the film strip. No, Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I've got a couple clips of her talking in there, but just talk about it in general. And I think it's a, it's a good piece. Well, I, it seems like people were paying attention to this <laughs> at some point. Because first, Dolores started getting mentioned on, there's a Peanuts wiki. Uh, it's a, you know, a wiki just about Peanuts. Mm-hmm. And Dolores popped up on there. Suddenly, you know, somebody was talking about it and was using, uh, I guess not, not the, I, I blogged it first. Right? You know, those question material from that. Uh, but they were using the blog as a reference. Mm-hmm. But recently, there's a Peanuts game for for the, your cell phone. And Dolores showed up in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can only assume that somebody either saw my material or saw it on the wiki because of my material. And that, that I rescued this thing, this interesting thing, and it's out there again. Wow. <laughs> Now, um, did uh, Dolores, was she drawn by Schultz on this film strip or drawn by, like, Melinda's Productions or whatever? Who was doing the artwork? It's more of a Melinda's production uh, look. I have no idea if Schultz may have done a design drawing for her or not. I'd be a little surprised if he did, but it's not not definite. Okay. I wonder if Andrew Farrago knows about that because he did his Peanuts character book recently. <laughs> uh, yes, he does know about that because I, I asked him whether he's covering Dolores and he said, I don't, I don't know. And um, he and I did a panel at San Diego Con. He was, you know, he was running the panel, uh, which was sort of based on his book. We wanted people to talk about their favorite obscure Peanuts characters. And so I said, I'm going to talk about Dolores. <laughs> you know, that, that, that was, Dolores, Dolores is mine to a certain extent. It's not. It's everybody's. It's Schultz's. It's, it's, it's whatever. But, you know, I feel this extra little, you know, uh, if I'm not speaking for Dolores, who is? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you basically rediscovered her. You know, I will give you credit for it because I certainly never heard of it. Her. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, well, you know, that's pretty much all I have about Peanuts. I just wanted to touch on a couple other things. I actually met you once a long time ago. I don't know if you remember this, but... Um, I've got a very poor memory for something. Yes, yes. But I, I, but, you, actually, you actually signed it. So, um, from your About Comics uh, imprint, uh, I bought a book from you. Panel 1, Comic Book Scripts by Top Writers. And... Uh, do do you still work with those type of things, or is it all peanuts nowadays, or do you kind of keep your toe in on other projects at this time? Oh, oh, oh I have a lot of other things. I have a lot of other okay. things. Uh, panel one is still in print, and that's a collection of of comic book scripts by a variety of folks. Neil Gaiman's in there, Kurt Busiek's in there, Trina Robbins in there, Jeff Smith, Kevin Smith, lots of good folks. Because I wanted, to, uh, I, I've been a comics writer for a long. 
long time, but I always wanted to see other people's scripts. Everybody has their own style. It's not like screenwriting where there's an official style you have to follow. Yeah. And so this was always my answer to what does a comic script look like? Is this book and other people, the reason everybody let their scripts be used in that because that was their answer. That was a question they always wondered when they were trying to get started. Yeah. So and I still do publish some uh, comics creation related materials. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but the but even though my company is called About Comics, I do more than comics these days. I publish some novels, some of them reprint. I reprint a series of Jewish James Bond parodies from the 1960s. Uh, Locks Finger, Matzo Ball, things like that. <laughs> uh, and I publish some new novels by a guy named Robert Mayer who, who wrote Super Folks, which is a uh, very influential uh, novel about superheroes. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't. I put out one edition of Super Folks that's out of print, but I publish a lot of his uh, more recent stuff, things like that. But the thing I'm doing that's that's the biggest part of my life right now. In uh, well, there's two things I'm doing big part, parts of my life. One of them is not a big money maker. I am reprinting a lot of books of Catholic cartoons, mostly nun cartoons from the 1950s. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort, of, it's sort of this rabbit hole. When I get curious about something, I, my form of researching it is publishing. Mm-hmm. So I reprinted like about two dozen of these booklets, these cartoon booklets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have a feed called The Daily Nun. If, you, if, if anybody's on Twitter or Instagram, at Daily Nun 1 will, will get you a nun cartoon in your feed every day. And that, I've got enough to go several years with that. Wow. Who, yeah. Now, who was drawing or writing these? Various or... Uh, well, there's, there's various folks. A lot of it's done by a guy named Joe Lane, who actually, that yeah, wasn't his real name. His real name was Joe uh, Eichberger, mm-hmm. and he was a platinum age comics artist. Oh. Before Superman, he was working for, uh, at DC and other publishers doing comics. Uh, so, and then and, uh, he went off the war, he came back, he started doing, he did, was doing even before the war, cartoons for a Catholic publication, and so we got that going. But we've got some other guys, we've got a number of books by a guy named Al Kilgore. We have one book of nun cartoons by a woman who I'm still doing the research, but I'm pretty sure was a nun. Mm. So that's that's kind of cool, and I'm about to come out with a book of, of monk and nun cartoons by a guy I know was a monk. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just came out with a book of, of fire cartoons by a guy I know was a Jew, and they're just follow those religions, that religion. But you know, it's 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 a mix in there. Um, you know, we have award-winning cartoonists like Al Kilgore, or long-running favorites like Cliff Worth, mm-hmm. uh, who just did booklets of, nun, of non-cartoons or priest cartoons in the 1950s. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know you were working on that. Yeah, I, I am the guy who is reprinting old editions of the Negro Motorist Green Book. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, it, for people who haven't heard of it, this was a travel guide used by black Americans in during the segregation era. It was published from about 36 to 66. Mm-hmm. And it, it lists places that hotels that would take black customers, restaurants that would serve 
time. We were building all these freeways, and people were going everywhere. But if you were black, you had to plan out your path carefully to make sure you didn't end up in a place where there was no place to sleep and no place to get gas. Right. So th this booklet made that possible. And these have been selling really well. They sell well on Amazon, and they sell well at museums. The Smithsonian African American Museum, the National Civil Rights Museum, mm -hmm. the Brown versus Board of Education Historic Site, any place that's concerned with civil rights, it, it has a you know a gift shop that this is a good home in. But as we're speaking, you know, a week or two ago, they released a movie called Green Book, mm. which is about people traveling around the country using the Negro Motorist Green Book, mm. and suddenly. reprinting it each each book in its entirety or are you just bringing out highlights of it or what what, what are your it's, books features in its entirety in its entirety wow. we're, okay. we're doing facsimile editions occasionally you have to take ads that were originally on the inside front cover and move them to the back of the book just because uh, the printing system we're using it doesn't print on the inside front cover but uh, other than that this is this is uh, rep reproducing the original books um they, they weren't that long. I mean, they were, you know, like 80 pages, many of them. So, and we've got, as I say, we sell it through Amazon for eight ninety nine a piece of list. Actually, they often discount that even. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's not, it, 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 you get one of these in your hands, you're feeling history. You suddenly get a sense of, it's not a practical item that really conveys the reality of the moment. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm really amazed at how people react to it. Is, so. is there any history added or introduction or something so you can understand what you're reading? There, there, at, at the back, okay. we, put a, uh, we, put, we put some history of the Green Book and the guy who created it, who was, his name was Victor Hugo Green. Got it. That's why it was the Green Book. They, 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 he made the covers green just to tie in with it being the Green Book, but he was the green behind the Green Book. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Good to know. Interesting. Uh, I'll have to check one of those out. Um, and uh, you say there's a movie about it right now, or is it out now? Or uh... it, it, it's out now. There's, okay. there's a movie. Uh, it's got a lot of Oscar buzz. It stars Viggo Mortensen and Maharshali. I'm not going to pronounce. I probably not pronounce that. Maharshali Ali. From, oh, okay. I have read about that. Okay, I have not seen it yet. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's called Green Book because of the Negro Motorist Green Book. They show that in a few scenes, them using it to figure out where the, the black character could stay, can stay, okay. uh, where Dr. Don Shirley can stay. That's probably where I was reading about it. It was in Rolling Stone. That's actually where I was reading about it. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. so now let it's me all... tell you, as a publisher, there's, there are things worse than having a major Hollywood studio spend millions of dollars promoting <laughs> a thing that you've got a book out of. Yeah. You know? Perfect, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, I do want to say one last thing about the panel one book. Uh, you know that I mentioned earlier. Uh, yes, it did finally help me out. Uh, I'll read your inscription to me. Uh, you said, "To Mark, good luck with your scripts." Well, I actually did get two published scripts uh, with American mythology: one for Three Stooges and one for Ant and the Aardvark. So, and I used your book to kind of figure out how to write a script for a comic book. So it was a help. So thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. 
to have been available. That's what I said year for. <laughs> it only so, took like 20 years, but hey, you know, or whatever, you know, but eventually I got around to getting some published stuff. But uh, anyway, um, I guess that's about all I was going to ask, uh, and you've co- we've covered a lot. Um, uh, just want to plug anything else, websites, uh, podcasts, or anything else you're, that's up and coming for you? Uh, unfortunately, my up and coming stuff is mostly still still private. I've got a, a graphic novel in the works, and I'm doing some work for an anthology, but I can't talk about that's, it yet. Except that's fine. <laughs> that things exist. People haven't seen a lot of comics from me for the, for the past few years. You know, the the, the PS material was the last batch of comics I did, but there is other stuff coming. Cool. But if any of the stuff that we talked about regarding penis interests people, I suggest they go to aug.com. That's A-A-U-G-H dot com. And there they'll find the blog. There they'll find the podcast. There they'll find a collector's guide to all the Peanuts books that exist. Uh, at least all the, all the ones I've, I've found in English, and it's an awful lot. Uh, so, so it's it's a good place to be. And uh, again, I suggest they try the, the first episode of the, the podcast, and if they like that, there's already 50-some more, mm-hmm. and there will be more to come. All right, very good. Well, I want to thank you today, Nat, for being my guest. And, and thank you for having me. I will be talking to you soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Nat Gertler, for being my special guest. Episode number 21 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. You can become a Patreon of Fun Ideas Productions, and if everyone listening just contributed $1 a month, that would be a tremendous help. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast, broadcast, (laughs) podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.